Oh, you look great for your age. Oh, I'm like, you could have just left out the for your age. Welcome to Ladies First with Laura Brown. I'm Laura Brown, editor-in-chief of InStyle Magazine, and each week I'm talking to a legendary lady about what she does, how she does it, and what we can learn from her. This week, my guest is the legendary Cindy Crawford. She's not only a supermodel, she's kind of super at everything and it's annoying. <laughs> anyway, I'll let her tell you. Um, okay, so here's the thing. This is not very structured, but you know that. Have you met me? Yeah. Anyway, Cindy Crawford, hey, welcome to Ladies First, which as you can tell is a very formal production where I talk to ladies such as yourself who are first in what they do and and who I have, uh, of, of whom? Of whom I have infinite respect, respect with a K. So what I want to know, so many things, but how awesome has your last year been? Has it been the best year of your life? And it's been a year now. I remember, I remember March 13th was the day that we like went on lockdown and I was like filling my refrigerator and freezer up with like frozen vegetables and meat because we, you know, we didn't know anything. Right. And, but we also thought it was going to be for two or three weeks, but that first two or three weeks, even though it was kind of shocking it was like, oh, I can organize my closet and I can get to all those little projects that I didn't do. And then like after three days, which I'd done everything already, I was like doing jigsaw puzzles. And so that was like phase one for me. Then it got extended, but it was kind of at the same time as summer. So we were just like, oh, okay, this is just summer vacation. And the blessing for me was that both my kids were home and like we had time really unscheduled time, almost, I mean, too much unscheduled time at some points. Um, Forced time. <laughs> yeah. But then when September rolled around, I think for me, that was like phase three where it was like, wow, this is really, this. Wh- where's the light at the end of the tunnel? And the inability to make plans or even know when you might be able to make plans again, to travel, to to work. I mean, the whole fashion industry had to rejigger itself and figure out how do we, what is this and how do we do it? And also what do we want to say? What do we want our message to be? What, what were the days like, you know, I think some days we would just be very sanguine and just get on with it, you know, but like, tell me about like a day when you're just like, I don't know how much longer I can, or day you just didn't want to get out of bed. You know what I mean? You know, I have to say that that's just not my my character. I mean, not that I didn't have my moments, but they weren't in the morning. I'm a morning person. I get out of bed. I live on the, I mean, we were so blessed to be in Malibu. I usually go down and take a jacuzzi every morning at like six 30 in the morning. And, and it's really hard to be in a bad mood when you're outside. I I'm like a total walk, you know, give me a warm bath or jacuzzi. That's my therapy. And just spending that 10 minutes like being grateful. So I start off my day in that place. I got to exercise more regularly than ever. Now, sometimes I was training myself in the beginning, so maybe I wasn't quite getting as much bang for my buck, but then we all figured that out too, right? By doing Zoom and different things. I also was not one of those people that stayed in sweats all day. And even my daughter, Kaya, was like, why are you wearing jeans? But I just like to, like I feel pulled together for myself. You want to feel functional. Yes. You have to get out of the soft pants. They were stretch jeans. So <laughs> you could like do a little lunge. In a- exactly. That's, what, that's what's sort of fascinating, especially when you're like your your currency is, you know, visual as so much of yours is. And, and watching how people who are like stuck at home work every angle of the house. 
like for pictures? Like, like, oh, I've already done eight pictures in this corner. Like, how does it work? First of all, I don't love, it's so interesting, your relationship with social media, right? Or my relationship with social media. I certainly didn't jump on that bandwagon right away, especially I didn't get Twitter. Facebook was like, well, I don't want to connect with people I used to go to high school with unless if I kept in touch with them, those are the people I want to keep in touch with. So I didn't really understand those two. But then when Instagram came out, I was like, oh, I get this. It's pictures. I understand this. I think how Instagram started was really about sharing with your friends. Like it was like a group text, right? But with a picture, obviously it has changed to be much more, well, it's different things for different people. And then it was like figuring out what my persona is. How much do I want to share? What in this last year feels appropriate to share. Cause you don't want to be like, Hey, living my best life and people can't even pay their rent or buy groceries, you know? Yeah. So just in the jacuzzi guys, how are you? Yeah, exactly. So finding that balance, but yes, my house, I'm sick of shooting here. I don't have any other ideas. So sorry. <laughs> I think you should do one in that tree behind you. Yeah. Just, okay, I've got, I've got plans for you. Perfect. Okay. I'm curious about this. A lot of my friends are models, actresses, whatever. Do you knock off a bunch of pictures at once? I have gotten really good with a self-timer, I have to say. Kaya once told me that, actually, randomly. She'd taken a really good one somewhere. <laughs> Breaking news. Both of you take good pictures. And I went, that's really good. And she went, it's mom. She told me the self-timer. So tell me about this. Tell me about what we can learn. Well, first of all, with the self-timer, the self-timer became essential for selfies because my arms aren't quite long enough for my good ankle. <laughs> so when I put the self-timer on, I don't have to have both hands out, right? I can get it an extra five inches. You get the extra five inches. Yeah. So um, as you know, that's another podcast, but we could talk <laughs> about that. Um, but I also do like, not always do I have even a child or a husband that is willing to take pictures of me. Is that too much dust? And I do you find also like, do the kids and like Randy, like, if you say, can you take my picture for this? Are they like, I hate it. Well, they'll give me like three snaps and I'm like, no, you've got to take like 30 and then I'll find one. When Kaya asked me to do it and believe me, I have shot, you know, I shoot hers for her and I'm like, let's try this. Let's try this. And then if I ask her to do it for me, and I'm like, my eyes are closed in every single one. So yeah, I usually find like an assistant because they're getting paid. Does they're pay? Casa, <laughs> tell me like, I mean, I, can you imagine when you were, hang on, your very first, your age of your very, very first modeling gig was, how old were you when you very, like your first? I think I was 17. My very first in Chicago, which was like modeling bras for a department store. It was bras? I, it was. Were they supportive? They were. Cross your heart. It was. Cross your heart. So you were 17 and now you're 35. I mm -hmm, mean, this, exactly. is a, this is a long... <laughs> I, I squeezed like 35 years into those 25 years or more. What I really wanted to talk to you about is every one of these, I sort of have a little a loose theme, but with you, it's consistency because you have managed to sort of ride the, all of these waves, very some very extreme, the 90s, which we all know about, and and some some lesser, more or less, in 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 a in a way that has been very sort of centered and very focused, but not not dull. You know what I mean? Just like very very on it. Were you always, when you started, or even in your early twenties, were you always pragmatic? 
I think, yes, because I think I always saw modeling as a job, not as who I was. Plus I never thought it would last. I mean, maybe 25 if I got lucky, you know? So I was always like, this is great for now, but I might, you know, and I might need to transition to something else later. But I, I also think starting to model in Chicago, it really wasn't like a special thing, right? Like you were, you were like schlepping your, I had to do my own hair, my own makeup. I had to bring my own black pumps or whatever else they told you to bring for the day. And so it really was a job. And I think that served me well, even when I moved to New York and it did become a little bit more flashy and international. I still, I always say like modeling's what I did. It's not who I am. Right. So I think that helped me. And then that just applied to the types of brands that I would align with fitness stuff. Revlon is very, you know, it was glamour and makeup, but it was accessible. It's American. It wasn't like so exclusive that only, you know, the, the top 1% can afford it. it was, it's accessible. And I feel like that became part of what the brand Cindy Crawford was. It's like, yes, had all this experience and all this access, but I want to share it. Like if I found a great trainer named Radu, I remember Radu and you were, God, you were just doing the most perfect lunges. <laughs> Lots of lunges. Do you, how many, wait, how many lunges were you doing in your twenties? How many lunges are we doing now? This is important. I think it's kind of the same. It's like three sets of 20 in a workout, let's say. I just do them with a lot more thought now because I feel probably as strong, if not stronger than I was, but I definitely do not want to get injured because like, if you do something like if you reach for the blender, which happened to me a couple of years ago, the wrong way, or I was shaking the banana, like the frozen <laughs> banana got stuck in the blender and I was trying to shake it. And I, I literally like threw my back out, like shaking a blender with a frozen banana. This is what's going to take me down. Yeah, exactly. And, and it lasts longer. Like before, if you did it when you were in your twenties, the next day you might still be a little sore and then it would be over. But I think the older I get, the less I take feeling good for granted. And I am much more careful with the type of exercises I do. And I'm, I listen to my body more because maybe I could do a lunge today, but tomorrow my knees just might not be into it. And I'll, I'll go, okay, today's not the day. It's fine. What does your body say? But your body goes, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, normally it always says no first and then I have to go really come on. And <laughs> but if it still says no, I listen. Like Brooke Shields broke her femur on a freaking rollerboard thing. It's a balancey thing. Yeah. Flipped off it. So yeah, I mean, try and control yourself. Yeah. I saw on her, I didn't know how she did it, but I saw her, you know, Instagram post, like in a wheelchair. I was like, oh no, what did she do? She had a frozen banana in the blender. Probably. You saw that Instagram post and you backed away from that. Blender. Yeah. And you, you said, no. but tell me about back to back to and when you when you were younger when you started to see when 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 you know the lights started brightening you know mm-hmm. what I mean and and all of that stuff started happening and the you know I think the technical term is a right uh-huh. right yeah and then so easy to lose your head uh, you know and I'm sure many of you uh, of people people around you did in some way so how did you kind of start navigating that when it was like, okay, we're going to go to the club all night. We're going to do this and that and that one, which is lovely and fine. When all that sort of stimulus started coming at you, how did you manage it? 
I wish I could take credit for like actively managing it. It's it's more that just wasn't my inclination. I for sure did not like being out of control, right? Especially around people that I did not know. So that just wasn't tempting to me to go out and drink or do drugs. It was like, I, I was too much of a control freak. And I think probably part of it is just insecurity. Like, I think there's a little element in me, but I, I recognize it in other people as well of like the emperor's new clothes syndrome. You're like, what am I doing sitting at this table with Versace and these people? And what if they find out I, I don't belong here. So I I think in some ways, um, my, my insecurity made me, made me take like a little bit of a back seat, which served me well. I wish possibly that the choice wasn't made out of that. And that's like something I really try to tell my kids. It's like everyone at the table feels the exact same way. And if they don't, they're probably a jerk. Like if they're like, Hey, I deserve to be here. That's probably not the person I'm going to, you know, want to talk to. But I think all of us come from such different experiences and family situations. Like all of a sudden you find yourself at the Academy Awards or whatever. And you're like, how did I get here? And, and some of it's like, you just fake it till you make it. And you try to pretend that you, um, that belong there until eventually you do. But a little bit did keep me maybe from like going crazy, which was probably a good thing. Plus just growing up in the Midwest, it's very hardworking, normal people. And, I think being close to my family, they were my touchstone so that they would have called me out. But it is funny that, you know, I think that and and you're in the business and and to a degree I am too of mythology. And the term supermodel would never be existed if it weren't for the idea of mythology. And you guys lived and reinforced it and and created it. And it was lovely. I, I grew up with that mythology and it's imprinted on all of us. But what I think is fascinating is when you're in this business, you just start to meet the people that are in it and there's mechanics to it and there's banality to it. So tell me, is there any sort of scene where it's like, you know, like, okay, you're on the Versace runway and then you come back and you've got a blister or something. You know what I mean? I think it was uh, one day I was doing like a, a hair commercial and hair commercials are a ton of work for the hairdresser, but also for your actual hair follicles and hair. But it was also the day of Kaya's fourth grade Christmas show at school. So I'm trying to be like super mom, right? So I have the hairdresser come to my house at five in the morning to start all the process. And then she has to put these gigantic rollers in my hair and then it's raining. So then I have to put like a gigantic scarf over the gigantic rollers, but I am going to make it to Kaya's thing. And I show up, I'm sitting there. I've got the car waiting to whisk me to set. The second she goes off stage, she was so mortified that I showed up you know, cause I'm sitting there literally with like a scarf and, you know, giant thing and like dark glasses, you know, she's like, why did you come like that? And I just thought, what am I doing? Like, I'm trying to do everything. But I mean, there's many times where, you know, especially kids for sure were like humbling in that way. Like you're breastfeeding between shots or, you know, you're getting ready for an event and like, your kid drops their red popsicle on you or whatever, you know, it's I always mean, a red one. Yeah, of course. I always said like, so especially when my kids were little, a lot of the fabrics we picked, I was like to the decorator, I was like, can this be thrown up or um, strawberries or red popsicle? It had to, it had to pass that test. Is it scrubbable? Yeah. I mean, there's so much of that when you're, because life, every, 
you still have life. You still have fights with your boyfriend and you still have to get to doctor's appointments or your toilet clogs up or whatever, you know, life still happens. I don't post those moments though. (laughs) Oh my God. If you just started to do like Cindy IRL (laughs) posts and it's like, here I am, here I am with a migraine, here I am doing my taxes um, oh my God, you could just do like boring, boring Crawford. That could be like, no, it could be like a Finster. You know what I mean? The secret, the secret ones. And it's just like all like the crap that happens. Because that's life. That's life. And I think that it's important to me too, to sort of, as, as beautiful as all these things are, and it's lovely to create a beautiful image and you know that better than anyone, just to be like, look, enjoy this, but don't envy it. Don't think that this is something that is otherworldly to you or these people are better, more connected, more clever, whatever than you. I think that was one of my favorite things that we did when I did House of Style for MTV, which was demystifying beauty in a way. It was like, yeah, we showed Naomi Campbell looking amazing on the runway, but then we showed her putting pimple cream on at night. That was one of the most responded to episodes because people just loved seeing the humanity in that. Like even Naomi Campbell in her twenties would get a spot or me shooting a swimsuit calendar and talking about like having to suck it in, like, okay, time to, time to hold the stump, you know, it's like, okay, suck it in. <gasps> okay. I got this. I got this. I go, <sighs> okay, I'm good. <laughs> how do you do, hang on. How do you do a suck in and smile? I don't know. You got to work out. Yeah, exactly. Cause sometimes it can look a bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying this was not good? Are you saying this was not You might need absolute... to work on that. <laughs> Shit. I've got so much to do. Tell me, do you remember where and what you thought the very, very, very first time you heard the term supermodel? I don't remember where or who, but I remember thinking it was ridiculous. I didn't think we'd still be talking about it today. To me, it was like, what does this even mean? And it sounds like we change in telephone booths from like boring Clark Kent, whatever, into our supermodel. We, I have changed in a telephone booth probably almost for sure, but... I guess as it stuck, then I started to realize that what I think it is, is like when I think for so many years, models were just two dimensional. We weren't known as people, people didn't know our names. And eventually, and I think a lot of that had to do with cable television and more media outlets covering fashion in a new way, all of a sudden people knew our names and then they knew a little bit about who we were. And we had more of a platform, which was great and also a responsibility. And how did you start to square that where, you know, when you started off modeling, you could go do the job and go home and people would say, and the image would be great. But then it was kind of like, oh, Cindy Crawford's doing this. She's in this commercial. She's dating this guy. She How, when that started, because again, you're, you know, you have, a, you have a pragmatism and a control to you and you always have. When things like that started to come at you that you could not control. I think two things. One is, yeah, like that whole model off duty. We were not really being photographed that much. We had no pressure like you could show up for the job and that's when you made the transformation. I guess that was your phone booth, right? Once you sat in that hair and makeup chair and had an amazing stylist, that was your transformation to become Cindy Crawford. Like up until I, I came to the job as Cindy, this girl from DeKalb, Illinois, who maybe had lived in New York for a year. And then by the end of the two hours of hair and makeup and styling, once you were on set, you're like, okay, I'm Cindy Crawford now. Yeah, because before, when you turned up, you were like a lizard. I mean, so hideous. (laughs) Exactly. Then I also do think like 
my first husband was famous and he'd been famous before me. It's Richard Gere, as you know. And I will say being with someone as my own fame was starting, being with someone who'd already dealt with that, it was a good entry because now I don't deal with it the exact same way he does, but I, I did learn a lot from him just about like how to navigate that. Now it's changed a lot from then to when my daughter became famous, like because I didn't have to deal with social media. Yeah, tell me about that. How has that been for your career and obviously helping helping her with hers? Yeah, I mean, for me, as social media became part of my thing, it just, you know, I was able to tack it on to what I was already doing. I think for this young generation, it all happens at once in such a big, huge way. In some ways, I wasn't able to guide her. And also, I don't speak that language natively. You know, in some ways, Kaya's had to, t- she has, she has to teach me. She's like, mom, quit hashtagging or whatever she says, you know, she, or I'll be like, I don't get your caption. Like it doesn't, she's like, yeah, you don't get it. It's not for your generation. You know, and I still don't get them sometimes and she doesn't get mine. And we're, and we're, we just agreed that that's cool. But for her, I mean, they were born, you know, like, unfortunately they had to deal with paparazzi since they were born. And following them to preschool or, you know, following me to preschool, but they would be in pictures. And it took them a long time to even understand what fame is. Why is a guy hiding in the bushes trying to take our pictures? It's very hard to explain. Good question. <laughs> yeah, well, that is, yeah, that's deep, deep. But trying to explain that to a kid when they don't even know what fame is, they they only could kind of understand it when they started having like when Kaya was a Miley Cyrus fan and she knew Miley Cyrus was famous. And then I think there was like a little aha moment, like, oh, wait, you're famous? Oh, and that's why? Oh, okay. You've got a man in the hedge too? Yeah, exactly. everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to Ladies First with me, Laura Brown. I'm chatting with Cindy Crawford, who is making me feel like a lump. I mean, could you imagine if you were coming up now? I mean, could you imagine yourself doing a TikTok dance? No, no. No. And but by the way, you don't even want to see me doing a TikTok dance. I think my kids would disown me. My husband for sure would disown me. But having that, you know, one of the things that I really realized, like for them, so when we were growing up, you really only had to deal with like your own pecking order from your high school and possibly the competing one. Now they are competing with the world. So I feel that my children feel so much pressure. Like my son's 21 and he's, and he feels like 
he hasn't made his first you know billion dollars and he should have because there's some kid somewhere in the world has and i'm like presley you're you're you know most of your friends are still in college like let's let's just like take take a beat you don't have to do that but i think it it feels accessible and that they should be doing it and it's a lot and they're both exposed, obviously, in different look. They came up, you know, and they were both taking pictures with you guys. Um, you know, so they had they had that they was dipping their toes in it. Obviously, Kaya, you know, really full on now. But how do you advise them, and especially in an industry that has changed so much beyond the parameters of what you were used to? How much does that stress you out, basically? Well, it's, I certainly didn't, contrary to some articles I've seen, I did not push them into modeling at all. Yeah, nor did I dissuade them when they expressed interest. They had an agency reached out to them both and we took the meeting and, you know, Kaya was still 14. And so there wasn't much for her to do. Presley was 16, but you know, they did a shoot with Bruce Weber. I mean, I was there, I knew the team, I felt very comfortable. So for the first couple of years, I was just there all the time or someone that works with us. And even Kaya's first season where she did shows and went to Paris and Milan. I was there. I I was like, like, hi. Yeah, exactly. While letting her have some, you know, sometimes she doesn't like it when I'm around because she's like, mom, they talk to you. Like, cause people always want to hear the, the stories from the nineties, you know? <laughs> so, but anyway, I was there, but eventually, I mean, I had to let her spread her wings a little bit, but I, I think that you're, you're always, I mean, I would be worried sending my kid to college. I would be worried letting them do semester abroad. I think just the nature of being a parent is you worry and you also have to learn to let go enough to let them figure stuff out. And And how hard, how hard is that? Especially again, when it's like, yeah, a kid going to college is, is stressing enough, but it's somebody who's being let go in the business that you know. So it must be harder to be like, oh, that happened to me you know, don't do that. I don't know because I didn't have either kid go to college, so I can't say it's harder or not. (laughs) But what I can say is it is the hardest thing. I think hardest part of being a parent is knowing when to like, let go of like the tight grasp that you have on them. And I know that the fashion industry has, it's not all I I just, I never had a bad experience in the fashion industry. So maybe I'm naive or maybe, um, I also, I don't, I don't know. Like I don't have like the dark side of the fashion industry. That's not part of my story, but I also always felt comfortable. Like I knew who they were working with and I knew they were with, they were with someone, you know, it wasn't like Kaya was like 14, like traveling the world on her own. And I also, I knew the business enough to feel like I could be a good guide and, you know, help her make the right choices. And fortunately, like most teenagers think their mother knows nothing and, and mine aren't that different, except for, I will say Kaya would take my advice. She knew that I did know that she couldn't be like, mom, you know nothing about it. You know? <laughs> You're like, actually, have you seen some pictures? Because I've been doing this a little while, kid. So how do you calibrate what you choose to do? And you go like, you know, because you could be yeah, sitting in Malibu, you know, doing running your business. And then it's like, oh, Italian Vogue. OK. But how much do you think, oh, I'm still I'm going to give the people what they want? Oh, gosh, I never think about that, actually. When almost 20 years ago now, I started Meaningful Beauty, which was my skincare line, which was 
I felt like an evolution for me of having worked for Revlon for 17 years. I had learned a lot, but I was ready to do something on my own that I was really passionate about, which was skincare. And I had done exercise videos and other projects. So those were kind of training for really doing like a real business. And so we have Meaningful Beauty. That, that's my core business. I also have a homeware line, with, you know, furniture, which was kind of a funny thing, but the business that the, the president of the company that asked me to do it for him, he'd seen my house in El Decor or HG or something. And he just was like, you know, I think you have great style and I would like to do this. And I, I thought, gosh, I don't, I don't know, but did my homework and, and met with them. And it became a fun thing because it's a reflected who I was then, like as a 37 year old woman that was a mother and a home, you know, homemaker was part of my job. And it, and I thought this is a fun way to express a different side of myself, but also it can grow with me. I don't have to be on the cover of Vogue. I don't have to be, she hasn't aged a bit, you know, I I can be like, yeah, I mean, you know, of course I've aged. Um, Against all odds. Yes. (laughs) So those are my core businesses. And then Omega I've been with as you, you know, for over 25 years. Telling time for a long time. (laughs) They've been great partners. So some of the other things that I do, like the editorial things, it's how does this support those other businesses? Or it's a photographers that I've really, you know, that maybe Kaya introduced me to and I'm like, yeah, they're cool. I want to work with them. Or it's just like a friend and I know it's going to be a fun day. You know, there's a lot of different reasons, but usually now in order for me to say yes, it has to check a few boxes. Right. How do you feel about that narrative that you just mentioned that like, she hasn't aged a bit. She's aged. Like, why is that even a question? How does that reverberate when you, when you read things like that? You know, it's funny because even with Meaningful Beauty, that was part of our, they would show like, we call them age maintenance. It's, but that's not as sexy as anti-aging or whatever, but really like I want to look like me still, right? I just want to look like not tired. I want to look fresh faced, whatever, glowy skin. But we did have a conversation about that. And I asked them like, I said, guys, that puts a too much pressure on me. I don't, and it's not true. I've aged. Of course I've aged, but I feel confident in my skin and that's what it's about. And I think you do a great job with the magazine. This message is, you know, makeup and hair products and clothing, they're just tools for us to A, express ourselves and B, help us have confidence to do everything else in our life well. Yeah. And just another, well, how does she do it? How is she still hot? And it's always still ageless. I can't, I mean, for your age. Oh, you look great for your age. Oh, I'm like, you could have just left out the for your age because we all know how old I am. Just say I look great. For your age. Again, this sort of like backslash thing that the that, that women sort of, and I'm super careful not to do that in the magazine, but also like I can't stand the term anti-age because what is that? What is it? It's not going to anti-age anything. It's not going to work. Uh, no, no. And originally when we launched Meaningful Beauty, it was age maintenance, but I don't think we did like a great job of educating people about what that is. But really it's just about taking care of yourself. We all know there's ways you can eat that, that, you know, food is medicine and how you're going to take care of your body, or you can eat really bad and you, it ages you a lot, or you can smoke and it ages you, or you can drink a lot. Those are things that are, are like extra extra. aging. Hang on. This is important, Crawford. (laughs) 
What are your thoughts on sandwiches? I don't think, I don't have a problem with a sandwich. sandwich. You big guy enjoy occasionally? Do you just go, oh, that'd be good? I, it's actually not my food of choice. I don't know. It reminds me of being in school when I would have like a soggy sandwich in my lunch. But I don't have a pro. I would rather put it this way. There's, I would rather have my carbs other ways. Which are what? Which are how? Booze? Casamigos. <laughs> yeah, you knew it. <laughs> I led the witness there, lady. I would say I love carbs and they love me a little too much. Like they just stick to me. I don't eat a lot of bread and I guess I've just trained my body enough that that isn't really what I crave. I just, I just love the image though. Just be like Cindy Crawford after a long day, just with a big, like a sub. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what's so funny. And sometimes when you go to photo shoots and they'll have like sandwiches at lunch and and like all the models i mean because i'm not skinny for a model but there are very thin models and i'm like do they look like they eat sandwiches no no they like scrape off the lettuce and, and like nibble or they it. look at it know. and they, then they just explode like into <laughs> exactly. dust they're just like they can't possibly exist in the same time and space no. So hang on, but again, when you're at home, then it's just kind of good. You could do an ad for meaningful beauty while on a couch that you're selling, and with a with a Casamigos in the other hand. Okay, we do this thing called ten firsts. It's just silly. First drink you order. I order a Casamigos Reposado, Reposado on, the on the rocks. And hang yes. on, how? And by the way, rocks. I don't like those big rocks. I like rocks. Yeah, like little jiggly ones. Well, the big one, have you ever had this happen where you go to do it and it hits you in the nose as you go to drink it? I don't like that. And you've been assaulted. I have, by those square ones especially. Yeah, they're, they're so designer and you're like, why have I am I been concussed? How much Casamigos is in your house at any given time? No, we usually just have one bottle of each. And we, we mostly drink the Repo at home, but we have the others for guests. Okay. First thing you look at on your phone in the morning? My Aura Ring app. What does that do? It tracks your sleep. And not that I know, because I usually know when I've had a good night's sleep and a bad night's sleep, but it's like you get scores. I'm like a student at heart, so I always want like to get a good sleep score. What does it do? Does it do? So it counts the hours and then says how, ma- how much like RAM or white? Yeah, how much deep sleep. Yeah, it's actually really cool. And then it after it gets to know you, it kind of knows, hey, you do better if you go to sleep a little earlier or you go to do better if you go to sleep a little late. We kind of have like a, that became a, like our lockdown thing. We all got aura rings and we have like serious sleep competition going on in our house. But then you literally, you wake up and you have been judged. Well, yeah. I mean, if you don't have a good score, you're like, no, I didn't check it. Yet. I didn't check it. <laughs> I didn't sleep anyway. I didn't even care. Do you know, are you a napper? No. Although I did start meditating a lot this year, I was able to finally ha- get a regular practice going and I choose to meditate lying down and it has occasionally <laughs> turned into a nap, but I don't feel bad because I feel like it's my meditation. So like the kids, if I was walking in like, why is mom drooling? Yeah. Well, can you imagine like in my house, if I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go take a nap. I don't, but now I don't think they would leave me alone. But if I say, I'm going to go meditate for 45 minutes and it turns into a little shut eye, you know that's what? okay. Mama's got to live. Okay. First joke you remember. One of the jokes that I do have that's kid-friendly is what kind of bee makes milk? What? A booby. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't hear it when I was a kid, but I do. That is my one kid-friendly joke. All the rest of mine are not (laughs) kid-friendly. You know, just saying (laughs) booby. Exactly. (laughs) Booby. What a great word. Yes. Okay. 
first and most recent, but first fashion splurge. First thing you bought and you were like, oh, I feel good. I think it was a Calvin Klein dress that I saw in Vogue and I wore it. It was black sheath dress, backless, and I wore it to my high school prom and everyone else was wearing like gunny sacks, but I had just started modeling. So already my shift in what was style, like I already had graduated a little bit from like the gunny sacks and it was so cool. And I wish I, I somehow that dress got lost in one of my moves, but I love that dress. When you walked in to that reunion in a Calvin Klein dress, they must have just all wanted to give you the finger, sister. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) I liked it. It was totally backless. You couldn't wear a bra with it, had shoulder pads, but other than that, it was just like this straight line. And actually Arthur Elgort shot it for Vogue and it was, you know, he shot it from the back with the girl. I just loved it. And I tracked, it was like the first time I like called different department stores to find, you know, where in the back of the magazine says where to find. And I was able to find it. Yeah, that was it. I think it was $700. Do you have an archive? I assume you do, right? Of stuff? I do have an archive. Unfortunately, there was more I should have kept. I didn't really understand that. Like I had a lot of Alaya that, but the Alaya stuff, a lot of the knit stuff doesn't really weather well anyway. There are things that I, I somehow a Thierry Mugler dress went missing that I also adored. It was like a black velvet, simple, chic, like you could wear it today, but I don't know where that went. But I do have some. How much Versace is in your in your home? I probably have like at least 10 gowns here. But a lot of times, as you know, you just wear it and then you give it back. And also, you know, you're not wearing it again and they know you're not wearing it again. The one that I that I'm mad about is my I wore a red Versace dress the first time I went to the Academy Awards and Anna Winter asked for it first for when she did like an Amphar auction and I gave it but I should have bid on it and just bought it back and I didn't and I that is one of my regrets one of my it? regrets who's Don't got know. it let's mug them yeah exactly yeah. no but that's no I can't imagine you whipping out to the farmers market in your in your Versace no 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 no. First time, and this is this is always important. First time you owned your shit, you really were like, I know what's up now, and I'm not I'm not putting up with X, Y, or Z. You know, one of them, and and I talked about this in the book I wrote for my fiftieth birthday, is that there was a time and a photo shoot with Patrick Demachelier and Kevin Aquan one had this idea to use tape on people's faces, and Claudia Schiffer was there, and he was like doing like taping basically like those tapes that they use, you know, to like lift, but we were in our twenties and I just said no. And Paul Cavaco got very mad at me because it was, yeah, stylist. Cause he was like, you're the model basically, which by the way, that is a little bit of the mentality in fashion. You kind of have to earn your way out of that. But I just said, I'm not doing it. It's, it's weird. We're, it's already like, we're giving women, we're telling 25 year old women, they need to tape their face. Like, this is weird. And it was, it definitely was, a, you know, me like standing up to the grownups, but I will say like, Paul and I are still friends and, and, and he had a daughter and he's like, as a stylist, I was kind of mad at you, but as a father of a daughter, I was like, good for you. I mean, if you don't know this in the business, guys, um, you the the you start taping your your face at twenty six, not twenty five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so just just uh, if if you're a bit late, if you're like twenty seven or something, just go to the hardware store, and uh, and give it a yank. <laughs> I always say, I wish they just had like a little screw, like you could 
tighten like every year, just like one little crank, like just a, or the knees. I'm like, I just want to pull up my pantyhose. That's all. I just want to like pull them up. Can, can someone do that? And then you can advertise. It's going to be great. Guys, this is our million dollar idea. Everybody calm down. Okay. First thing you turn on TV. I usually turn on the news in the morning. I, I like CBS and I like, they have like something right at seven o'clock. That's your world in 90 seconds or something. And I feel like if that's all I get all day long, I'm not going to miss any major world events. Right. I like 90 seconds because I'm a busy woman. Yeah, exactly. Okay. First thing you do or eat if you're stressed out. If I'm stressed out, would probably be chocolate. What sort? Any, <laughs> any sort. I like cheap chocolate. I like expensive chocolate. But probably if I'm stressed out what I do, hmm, I did find a breathing app I like with that. I think it's called like 478 Breathing. The app is not called that. And it it does calm you down. It's like you do eight cycles of this breathing and it does kind of like just bring you back into your, helps you not spin out, you know. Then what if you lose your phone? Then you're like, I'm already freaking out, but I can't find my app. I can't find my phone. Well, you can just count, but I like the app because then you don't have to count. (laughs) I, I know old school i'm old school you are like god you guys these i tell you these supermodels man they uh they just they just count they just count um the oh yes and there's, there's going to be i know you not much has happened with this but there's going to be a big documentary on apple yes. that you christy mm-hmm. naomi uh-huh and linda and you you just what just reminisce and slap your thighs and well i think that for me we're excited about you know joining forces. I, I only wanted to do it if I could do it with these other women and just tell our story. But what's relevant, you know, I did not grow up wanting to be a model. Like I didn't even know that was a real job. And I think something happened with our generation that then all of a sudden it was more visible. It became something that maybe young women did aspire to. And then, you know, it went to Tyra Banks and America's Next Top Model. Then it was like every girl wants to be a model. And then what happened? Everyone is a model because of social media. Like everyone is a model in their own life now. And I think that like there's that moment, that supermodel moment that I always say it's like before that Versace show with the George Michael video and after. And just looking at what was happening culturally, that kind of innate, like the excess of the 80s that and the, and cable television, all these forces that went into allowing that moment to happen and then where it went from there. And I just think that's really interesting. And, and then also in that, each of us kind of telling our own journey through that. I remember uh, Christy always, yeah, I, when I, I was, you know, the Freedom video was it for me too. I mean, it was like for so many people. <laughs> Christy always talks about she couldn't like quite get it, the shadow right because she was in and out of the shadow. Like it was a bathtub or something, wasn't it? I was a bathtub. Christy had, Christy had like the sheet no, Linda was the sweater. We didn't get to pick our parts, by the way. And I remember I showed up and I'm like, seriously, I'm in a bathtub with no water. But I should have trusted David Fincher enough to know that it was going to be good. And that was one of those things where like the there was the right song, the right video. It's just where one plus one equaled a thousand. Isn't it wild now? Now it's like David Fincher, mank. And now you, do you ever see David Fincher anywhere? And you go, hey, Dave, remember that? I did see him recently. And, um, and yeah, I mean, the thing about David is that's really cool is he's, he's so smart and interested 
I mean, who knew he was just making like a music video, but I think even just what that song symbolized for George Michael, it was an MTV, like it was a big moment. And you, you only really understand it when you look back through the lens of time. And and how like, you know, and I think that obviously a, a lot of the interest in, in, in this still is, is the longing for those times and what, what that meant. And, but how, I remember what struck me about that and why it's so, it sticks with all of us. It's so uncynical. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's, it's, it's just like it's beautiful babes being beautiful and the music's amazing and everything's groovy and it's just like, oh, that's how it can be. And, of course, that's not how anything is, but that's it's, it was this microcosm, right? Right, but even if you think about, about what the visuals of that video were with the words of the song where he felt like, you know, the pressure to, you know, hit him be, he wanted to be himself I think it was actually such an interesting way to tell that story because the song was not kind of, but you can't hear that song and not want to like get up on a table and dance. Yeah, because it makes you feel, quote unquote, freedom. And he's talking about not necessarily having that and and, and then representing it through you guys. But it's just, I just love that you can be part of a touchstone that still makes people feel so good to this day. And um, so thanks for that. Thanks for that, Crawford. Okay, two more things. First car you bought. Oh my gosh, 1976 Chevy, used Chevy Impala. It was burgundy with a black roof. You could fit eight high school girls in it, four in the front and four in the back. Were you the, and you were the driver, you were like, I bet you're a good driver. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, growing up in the Midwest, you better. You learn how to drive in all conditions. How ambitious are you? You've achieved a lot, but what are you ambitious for? Now? Yeah. I think growing up, I loved where I grew up, but I knew I was not destined to stay in DeKalb, Illinois. So I just would think of the biggest jobs I could think of. Like first it was nuclear physicist. Then it was the first woman president. I went, you know, I went to college for a second for chemical engineering. It was just like, I, I want to do something big. Then the modeling thing happened and it worked out. Okay. My ambition now, I still look when you're good at something, it's fun to do. It's like, it's very fulfilling. And I, I think that was probably one of the hardships of this last year was not, you know, like doing, like doing my thing that I'm good at. One of the blessings was like realizing like, I'm okay, not like, and, and I don't need to be busy all the time. I'm okay with validated all the time in that way. Uh, Yeah. But I think in terms of my ambition now, my ambition is finding balance for myself, which involves everything, you know, being, you know, my work life, my, my self-care, my role as a wife, my role as a mother. And I think doing meaningful work, meaning, yeah, that's meaningful to me. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, like no one really else has to get why it's meaningful, but it has to feel meaningful to me. Yeah. Go, go to bed and just know that you are good. Okay, finally, the first thing you'll do, and we have, thankfully, like I've been doing this podcast since November and this was uh, seems so far away at the time, but first thing you'll do when this GDAM pandemic is done. Is it, I, I feel like it's not going to just be one day where we're like, okay, we're let out of jail. So it's hard to know what that will look like. I, I haven't seen my mother in over a year. I haven't seen my father in over a year. I think that will be, you know, you, you, I think we we undervalued what a hug is. I mean, it's being in their presence 
having time with people. So I think it's, it'll be visiting some of those people that I haven't got to see in the last year. I mean, other than that, I mean, slowly little life has gotten, you know, yes, you have to wear a mask now, or I have to get, you know, a Q-tip stuck, stuck up my nose three times a week now, if I want to do a photo shoot, but those other little things are creeping back to normal. But I think it's like feeling the freedom to travel and be around people when it isn't essential. I think that that's the thing I miss the most. So I think everybody just should look out for uh, CC Cindy Crawford just running and hugging. Well, Cindy, Cindy Crawford. It's very easy to admire what you've done superficially and uh, and always as an observer and now someone who knows you, um, how elegantly you've conducted yourself through all of this and continue to do and that you still drink tequila on the regular. This podcast is about to get really good right now. <laughs> this has been Ladies First with Laura Brown. We can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Savarese, Danielle Roth, Anne Ford, Anne Kane, and Erica Wong. And thanks to Brian Anstey, Molly Stout, and Haley Mason at InStyle. You can find out more at InStyle.com. Find us on Instagram at InStyle Magazine, on Twitter at InStyle, and you can find me on Insta and Twitter at LauraBrown99.